0: Welcome to Madam's Hoes and Gigolos, a podcast about the history of sex work and historical events surrounding sexual revolutions. I'm your host Heather, and with me are my friends Connor and Anthony.
1: Together we've created a bi-weekly podcast discussing all topics in regards
2: to history and sex. Connor Heather. How what? are you guys? I you know, it wasn't that long ago that we uh, we recorded, but I just I miss you guys. So right. Much. We've
0: had a busy we had a busy month with Pride. Yeah. Yeah, crazy.
2: You know what? Again, I have to say, I really, I really enjoyed our conversation with Less.
0: Oh, up. isn't Less great? Yeah, Les is it so, right? So, yeah, so fun.
2: But on a on a more personal note, Heather. I think we have uh, unmasked a, a that mystery that we've talked about in previous episodes. Oh Jesus. You talk about you that? that? That's right. This is the um <laughs> the, you made shim- out with somebody at your Yeah. birthday party th- two years ago. We found who the glass slipper belongs to, how I did, believe.
0: I should say I found him. <laughs> how did, how did Not you figure this out? The man out? who lives with him.
2: I have to be honest, I didn't try very hard. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you asked several people though. Yeah, I think I just walked in the door and went, "Anybody make out with Heather?" And he probably wasn't home when I yelled that out loud. Okay, you know.
0: Okay, so <laughs> it was just it's just so random how it happened. How <laughs> I was like, "Hey, is this the guy?" <laughs> so I was um, on OKCupid because of our. Last episode, not our last episode, but our COVID episode. I liked how COVID, how OK Cupid was approaching the whole COVID thing. So I signed up. And so I had was like swiping on OK Cupid and this guy popped up and the guy felt familiar. If that's if that's weird. Sure. Like he just like, I'm like, okay, I feel like I've known, I know this guy. <laughs> and so I saw his name. And I saw where he lived, and I remember putting two and two together with where you live and how we live in close proximity to each other. Right. And so I sent the picture to our group chat and was like, hey, is this your roommate? Is this the one I.
2: As soon as you sent that picture, I put it all together like, oh my God, it was him. That's the guy. That's the mystery guy.
0: It is. And I found him on my dating app,
2: which is well. And now I have to talk to him about his okay, Cupid profile. Hey, wait, that means that you're both still single, and you have a chance to uh, see if this kiss rekindle a little something from the Canyon Club. If it meant anything, are we supposed to mention that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: sure. The Canyon Club is not a paid advertiser. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it is where you know young couples find love. <laughs>
0: oh my god! Or
2: or make out with each other in a parking lot. I apparently. i.
0: No, I think it was on the dance floor.
2: It was that's what you were saying. You said it was on the dance floor. Okay. Yeah. And in I have to be honest, I th- I think there's there's two different recollections of this story. Um which is not surprising, seeing that, you know, I think we were all a little lubed up that night. Oh it was oh. my was it my fortieth birthday party? I think so. It was my fortieth birthday party. Was it? I think so. Yeah. I I have very little recollection of
0: that. (laughs) Oh. I I certainly owe your roommate an apology. I I feel like because in my mind, I was trashed and I, I excused myself to the bathroom and then never came back. And that was rude. So
2: you say you made out with him and then disappeared and never called him yeah, back? Yeah, can we go through the timeline here? Can you tell me your recollection of this and then I'll just play it for him later? <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. Hi, John, I really owe you an apology. I'm sorry. Um, I, I was I was just in a dark point and I'm, I apologize. You were great, you were gracious. Um, I never once got a creepy vibe from you. I just was humiliated with myself because I was trashed, but.
2: I can't wait to tell you about my experience with him as a roommate. No, I'm just kidding, he's great, he's great. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like a voicemail you're leaving for him, so. I well, like this, I yeah, like this. I
0: mean, it, it, when I say the cliche, it wasn't you, it was me, it really was. I think I was just embarrassed of myself and my behavior and knowing he was such good friends with you I took the chicken shit way out.
2: Well, you know, I th- did that I think mess him was... up for years, like inside? I, I, I don't, I don't think so. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that. You know, somebody is is like, oh, I don't give a. But he remembers shit. it. He remembers it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think he just chalks it up to, uh, you know, we were all having fun at the at the club, dancing, and everybody was drinking, and you know, people wander off and, and <laughs> whatever. I, just, I don't like... know what your guys' connection was that night. It, it sounds like uh, you guys were kind of vibing. Which is cool. Yeah, um, you know
0: what? He was he was a great guy. He was absolutely great. He made me feel comfortable. I didn't even when I I being in my drunken stupor, I didn't feel like I was at risk at all.
2: And you know, from a guy's perspective, Connor, you know, I think uh, you you meet a girl um, at a friend's party somewhere. And you have a couple drinks, and you do a little uh, dance floor makeout. Whatever happens after that, I think you chalk that up as a win, right? <laughs> Is that how that works?
0: I just feel yeah. like like he des- <laughs> He was such a nice guy. He deserved better than what I gave him. And I, 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 for my my selfish reasons, I feel like I need to at least express that. Like, look, it was shitty of me. I apologize. Even if he's not, I maybe this is part of this 12-step program that I'm not in. But
2: like, <laughs> well, I, I at
0: least need to take accountability. It was shitty.
2: I do know where he lives. And, <laughs> and
0: it apparently was, you know. it's within three miles of my
2: house. <laughs> that's, that's your search yeah. criteria? Three no, miles? No, 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 no. Okay.
0: Because he, he's so close, it, he was one of the first ones to pop up.
2: You, okay. can, um, you can show up and show him your... Appreciate Show it. Show him how sorry you are.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, did you swipe right when you found him yeah, again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you, I, I don't know how OKCupid okay works. Did you, Is that a swipe? Did you like like his profile or? Out of like?
0: sheer embarrassment, I you swiped ha- left.
2: Oh, okay. just I, I'm really embarrassed with just how I acted. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to make that. I'm one for one in my love connections, by the way. I'm just going to throw that out there. And okay, I, you're I, right. I retired, you know, with 100% accuracy rate. Oh,
0: you with what goes on in my head, <laughs> don't do it. You're gonna don't knock off. you gonna, gonna knock off my him. numbers. With what goes on in my head, <laughs> no. Mm.
1: Well, what counts as a win? Just getting married, or uh, yeah, I, I stopped. And
0: I helped with there. that one because I said, I said to her, yeah, I would do him.
2: <laughs> so I feel like I should get some <laughs> credit. You do. You do get credit. <laughs> All right.
0: Is it weird that I said, yeah, I totally bang him? <laughs> <laughs> then they start dating, get married, and she stopped talking to me. <laughs> I don't
2: find that weird at all. I find that very complimentary, and yes, probably did up his uh, his value a little bit. I would think. Like if I think some oh, girl yeah. is standing next to you, Connor, and goes, "Yeah, I'd fuck that guy." Like oh, other I'm girls would be like, "Hell yeah, I'd fuck that guy." Well, here's the thing.
1: That's very much an endorsement for that person, exactly. And reviews make a big difference. And while we're on the topic of reviews. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think Such we a great should segue. I like that.
1: I think that we should talk about our We reviews. got some
0: poetry in our reviews that I appreciate. So I'm going to read it. Let's hear it. Okay. The title. Dramatic reading. Yes. Um, I'm a recent convert to this podcast, and I love, love, love it. If you enjoy learning about history and sex work, then it's a no boner. I mean, no brainer. Boners, is no Except not because the hosts are witty, and smart, and compassionate. Who doesn't get turned on by that? Stop reading this review and go listen. Wait, that what? was fucking amazing.
2: That's a great Let me see that. review.
0: What are you looking at? Did I say it wrong?
1: No, you said it right, but I'm trying what to mean, understand. It says, uh, except not because the hosts are witty, smart, and compassionate. I'm like, oh, wait, what do you mean not? We're not? No, not
2: okay.
0: because the hosts are witty, smart, and compassionate.
2: But... Right? Is that what, is Did that I miss read out? No, you didn't. No. I like. I like. Uh, <laughs> I'm such a child. No boner. I mean, no brainer is my favorite part of that.
0: Let's be honest. The word boner always gets a good laugh.
2: <laughs> it's a fantastic word. Boner is a good word. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you for the review, and we do appreciate
1: reviews. So if you guys check us out on Apple Podcasts, uh, you have an opportunity to give us a five star rating and a review. We'd love
2: to see it. And, and if, if you write the word boner in your review, we'll probably read it.
0: And Connor likes reviews. We're still trying to get to a hundred.
2: Last I checked, we were uh, in the eighty three in the high eighties.
1: As far as the number of ratings, the written reviews are, are less, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would just
2: like to get to a hundred ratings. I think that's kinda cool. All right. So should we start, start, start?
0: Start, start, start. Oh
2: yeah, that's on you. That's yeah. new then. <clears throat> the nation's oldest continuously operating brothel opened for business in eighteen forty four. It operated out of a pine board hotel during the early years, but its location had changed nearly a half a dozen times during its history and had several different names. Typically, it was named after a reigning madam.
1: This story received national attention when The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas on Broadway opened up and then a movie starring Dolly Parton and Burt Reynolds in 1982 came out. In that version, Zindler, who was the journalist, was played by Dom DeLuise.
0: So today we're talking about The Chicken Ranch, the worst kept secret in Texas. Prostitution was the highest-paying job for a woman during the Victorian era. Educated women who learned high-level skills at business colleges like typing and shorthand only made an average of $35 per month. With inflation, that would be about $1,200 now. This still wasn't enough money for women to support themselves or their children without the aid of a husband. Prostitution was the one and only job where a woman could have shorter work hours and earn higher wages in cash.
1: Okay, so I wanted to share a story with you guys just talking about brothels. And it's something that I learned only a year ago. This isn't a personal story to me. So you're looking at me like, oh, did you go to a brothel? No,
2: I did well, not. You always plot those, yeah. those good
0: personal stories. I'm always
2: waiting for a good Connor story. <laughs> yeah, we don't expect Where, them. where you no. stumble into a brothel thinking it's something else. art <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: museum. That, what are all these naked bodies?
1: <laughs> that, that has happened several times. You're right. Like... So I, I found out uh, at a family 4th uh, of July barbecue last year that my grandma, who was the sweetest uh, old lady you'll ever meet, innocent, wholesome. When she was younger, when my family was living in New Jersey, she and her neighbor, Marilyn, uh, always talked about moving to Alaska and opening up what they called, quote, a house of ill repute, which is AKA a brothel. They got a bunch of their friends in on this and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we're gonna move to Alaska. We're all gonna open up this brothel. And it never happened. The whole thing just fell apart. And the reason, according to my grandma, is because all of these ladies wanted to be the madam. None of them wanted to be the, the, the girls working in the brothel. And so the whole plan just fizzled. Too many chefs in the kitchen. <laughs> so yeah, obviously that wasn't going to work. But uh, a couple years ago, my mom and dad and my aunt went to Alaska on a cruise, on a vacation. And they took a tour of this place. As uh, you guys can see in this picture, it's called the, uh, the Red Onion Saloon. And it's a, it's a, one of the oldest brothels in Alaska. Right now it's a museum and you can see in the window that it's like $10, I think for a tour. And my aunt actually brought with her a, a photo of my grandma that taken at like Knott's Farm of, you know, those old timey tone pictures yeah. and gave it to somebody at the Red Onion and got a very nice letter from the manager there saying, thank you for the photo and, you know, for your story we have put it on the piano on, on the exit. So when people leave, they can wave goodbye. That's awesome. And so, uh, yeah, anyone who visits the Red Onion uh, Saloon in Alaska will see a photo of my grandmother <laughs> on, on the piano in there. And it looks like she was like the original madam or something, and she wasn't. She had nothing to do with this place and probably never heard of it. Likely story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. From the Civil War to World War One, especially during the four decades from 1870 to 1910 prostitution flourished in texas every city had its red light district and at least one vice district dallas had deep elm street Galveston had post office street and the largest red light district in the united states during the early years of world war one was matamora street in san antonio by the turn of the 20th century san antonio's red light district was called the sporting district their vice district was so extraordinary that it published a guide to assist visitors. In addition to the listings of saloons and gambling halls, a 30-page blue book included the names of 106 prostitutes and their sporting establishments. And it ranked them from class A, B, and C.
1: So is this a time when prostitution was legal, but they were still using euphemisms like a sporting yes. facility? Okay.
0: Yes, and it makes me wonder what, where, like... Like we do that on restaurants where it's yeah. like your A, B, and C. Like what is are health ratings. Right. right. Well, right. I know I'm never gonna eat at a restaurant with a C rating.
1: Right. I have.
2: But uh,
0: did, you're alive.
2: Yeah, well it was a Carl's Jr. in Van Nuys. <laughs> 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 you Just, know what's funny though? Like with this A, B, C rating, I find that like I, I like to uh take a chance at, at a b-rated place which you feel the same way about a brothel <laughs> um you know
1: so, so I, I will say that when i'm checking out yelp you know so you want to compare the uh how many stars yeah but then you also got to look at the uh, the, the number of dollar signs exactly So if, if you're looking exactly. at a at a b that's got the two dollar signs instead of three of them eh.
0: I feel like a B rating for an establishment might be like the temperature of the refrigerator was off, so they got dinged and it put them to a B, but maybe mm. a B for the, the sporting establishments was she has syphilis.
2: <laughs> no, that is a C <laughs> plus at best. That reporting should get you a C, at okay. least. I, w- right. I would hope.
0: Well, <laughs> I'm just Only A-class
2: establishments for us. Okay, All
0: right. yeah, A-class. <laughs> In Alamo City in 1917, just around the time the U.S. had entered World War I, Life magazine had run a feature story complete with pictures about the pleasures to be found in Alamo City. Texas cities had already had substantial military camps. The outraged mothers who were worried about their sons formed the Texas Women's Anti-Vice Committee in hopes to protect them from venereal diseases and sin.
1: Of course, one of them is a bigger threat than the other. Right. Depending on who you ask,
0: um, could you picture your mothers doing this? Your mothers like, don't fuck my son.
2: No, <laughs> don't <fuck>
0: my
2: son. <laughs> definitely was not my mother's style to to be out in the streets chanting. Good for don't your fuck mother. <laughs> I think she had better things to do. Um, but it's it's so crazy to to think about how readily available prostitution and and brothels were. You know, I mean, it's a long time ago, but not that long ago in history, right? When did we go into this uh, extreme puritanical modern age?
0: I feel like that was with Anthony Comstock coming um, in so around he was Victorian era, so he would come come in
2: this is kind of like the end of an era right here
1: yeah, I guess so huh I was thinking that it was always like this, but how were things like
2: when our country was founded? I mean had to be the the same way that it was you know with brothels and and I mean. I guess it didn't have to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess Puritans came over here, but I mean they they weren't the only group of people who came over here. I mean they're just one of of many, right? And, you know, puritanical men are never sexual deviants. Yeah. Oh,
0: we'll we'll get we we are going to we're going to get to the puritans in here. Okay. These anti-prostitution crusaders gained a powerful ally in the US War Department. The War Department suggested close your vice districts, and enforce anti-prostitution laws or suffer the consequences. What do you think those consequences would be?
1: I was just going to ask that. That's a very uh, vague threat, but I'm sure they had very specific something in mind.
0: They're probably the venereal diseases. Meanwhile, they're going ahead and spreading the Spanish flu over. Yeah,
1: it was just around that time, wasn't it? Yeah,
0: it was that time, World War One. So, like, we don't want your syphilis, but let's go ahead and give you your Spanish flu. <laughs> Bleed from every orifice. It's cool, Did
1: that but happen? just don't
0: get. Yes, Jesus. yeah, Spanish flu. Yeah, the, the you would start bleeding from your nose and your ears. Wow, and that was a symptom.
2: So, what would you rather have, Connor? Uh, Spanish flu or syphilis? What What are the symptoms of syphilis?
0: <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> no, no. I mean, that
2: sounds pretty bad. You have two choices: gun to your head, syphilis, Spanish flu. Go.
0: I feel like syphilis is a type of pasta. <laughs>
2: uh, syphilis. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I, I, it's not the one I would have chosen before you told me about the bloody eyeballs and stuff.
0: Bleed from your orifice or syphilis.
2: Or syphilis.
0: And die in two days with Spanish flu. Oh,
2: man. I don't like having to Hurry choose. Hurry
0: up, quick, quick, no, quick. I'll, I'll, I'll take Spanish both. flu killed you. I'll take both. <laughs> At least he died happy. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Uh. (laughs) Local civic and ministerial groups seizing the opportunity to cripple protected vice put pressures on city and council officials. The anti-vice and the others' women's organizations followed suit. Politicians and businessmen noted that, that protected vice suddenly had become an economic liability rather than an economic asset. New federal and Texas laws during 1917 and 1918 mandated prostitution-free zones around military camps, local venereal disease clinics, and detention of women suspected of venereal infections.
2: Wait, so those were prostitution-free zones? Like, so outside of a venereal disease clinic, you couldn't open a brothel? Right. I'm really surprised (laughs) that
1: they mandated prostitution-free zones around military camps. You think that that would be one place where they're like, hey, we want our
2: boys to have some Well, apparently not, if the U.S. War Department came in and and started, you know, siding with with anti-prostitution leagues, right? So they didn't want their boys to have fun. Well, you don't want your soldiers to have venereal disease.
1: True, true. Again, but... They could have advocated for safe sex. Right. Was that a thing back then?
0: No, it's sinful. Sex is sinful! That's right. (laughs) I was very aggressive with that one. I apologize.
2: (laughs) And and, and again, like not easy access for, you know, potential infections of venereal disease, right? So you have a brothel and of course there's sex. So there's going to be a higher uh, likelihood of of venereal disease and they can't be near venereal disease clinics. (laughs) (laughs) It just seems counterintuitive.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So prostitution was outlawed in Texas, except for the chicken ranch. Located in Fayette County, about 2.5 miles east of downtown LaGrange. The chicken ranch operated for 130 years. Nice. Although prostitution was illegal in Texas, each election day, Fayette County voters had the option to decide if the chicken ranch would stay open.
1: That's the deal. So I knew that prostitution was not legal,
2: and I thought that this was, was it illegal or an illegal brothel? Well, I mean, technically it had to be illegal if it's illegal in Texas, but they kind of just turned a blind eye because the voters would would vote in favor?
0: Yeah. So the, so, so, so will prostitution
2: it. is illegal in the state of Texas, but Fayette County said, will we allow them to keep doing their thing? That's is
1: that the deal?
0: Yes.
2: How do you think that the population would vote today if you were to say Ooh, good question. should prostitution be legal? How do you think that that would fall? I guess it depends on on the area. You I mean think 50, it, I mean just say let's let's go just
1: nationwide. Do you think 50-50? Yeah. I mean, everything else seems to be 50-50, but as far as things like legalizing marijuana, we still have a situation where it's illegal nationwide,
2: but like some states have allowed it, and it becomes a kind of a hairy situation. Sure, and if you break it down state by state, I'm sure there's going to be some Bible Belt states that are absolutely against it and and more progressive-leaning states that are going to be for it. How do you think California would? We would probably legalize prostitution. You think so? I don't think that we would.
0: You don't think we would? I don't think we would. We're like the porn capital.
2: We were the porn not capital, Until, yeah, not until, not anymore, until, until we legislated, uh,
0: legislated the condom.
2: Yeah, I, I think that that we have, have are kind of shifting out of the the crazy do anything state.
0: See, I think like Florida, because of Matt Gaines would vote yes, but Texas, because of Ted Cruz, would vote no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I, I, it is in my humble opinion that Ted. Cruz is probably as sinister as Matt Cain's,
2: but Heather, do you? would you support legalized brothels?
0: Fuck yeah, I would.
2: Connor? Yes. I wouldn't. I'm oh. just kidding. I totally would Okay. <laughs> I was like, I bet, I bet you have a really good argument.
0: <laughs> I, I absolutely would. The citizens demonstrated a remarkable talent for self-government and the stability in their political philosophies. Most counties in Texas at some point had voted in favor of temperance. Fayette County? had never voted dry. They adopted the work hard, play hard, and mind your own business attitude. Fuck yeah. That's a good attitude.
2: What does that mean, temperance? Drinking. Right?
0: Abstinence from an alcoholic drink.
2: I was a history major for like seven days. Okay. So makes sense.
0: Voters in Fayette were granted the status of having a brothel in their town. A majority of the voters were male so their votes could be seen as self-serving. Women, however, supported the chicken ranch. The ranch had turned from a brothel to a tourist attraction to an untouchable shrine. White settlers settled in Fayette County in 1821. James Seton Lester was the first landowner, a devout Baptist, and one of the founders of Baylor University. He was Chief of Justice of Fayette County from 1844 to 1848. He also owned the Lester Hotel. He had his first license to sell whiskey, and his hotel was the house away from home for some fancy ladies.
2: Ooh, fancy ladies.
0: Yeah. In 1831, German settlers began settling in Fayette County. Most Germans were Protestants, usually Lutheran. Now, in 1856, history refers to as Bohemians arriving. Um, this, This word can be offensive to some cultures, so we're going to refer to these settlers as Czechs, being that's where they immigrated from, and this group practiced Catholicism. Each group was convinced the other was on a straight course to hell. The language barrier, in addition to the religious intolerance, made social interactions between the group difficult and unwelcoming. However, their intolerance for religion doesn't preclude their tolerance for sin. Everyone was tolerant of the bordello in LaGrange. They were willing to share in the delight, the good humor, and be neighborly. So basically, people who hated each other all went to the brothel and were friends
1: yeah that's where you can kind of forget about your differences and focus on what counts
2: well you know brothels bring people together (laughs) (laughs) quite literally that's their slogan
0: (laughs) because of their religion the Catholics could enjoy the lifestyle as long as they were able to live until confession they endured with God's external wrath that's great so if you just confessed you'd be fine so like I you could totally have sex and then on a Tuesday and then 8.30 a.m. confess on a Wednesday and you'd be good.
1: See, that's how it should work. So just don't
0: die. (laughs) You don't have
1: to live your life free of sin. You just have to confess and you're good. Yeah.
0: The Protestants did not believe anything that they enjoyed was a sin and should be enjoyed. They lived by, if it feels good, do it motto.
2: I like that. So, I think that's a very forward-thinking uh, religious belief. There, I didn't know that was
1: a Protestant motto. I didn't either. I mean,
0: it was back then. So, would you identify with a Catholic and just, you know, go and like sin, but then ask for forgiveness, or is it like, "Fuck, and I'm having fun and live your best life"? Yellow.
2: Well, being a, a non-practicing <laughs> is, <laughs> Catholic myself, um, that's all I know <laughs> is guilt.
0: <laughs> Does, do you think that that Drake is a Protestant with yellow?
2: I'm guessing yes. I'm going yeah, Protestant. He's gonna go I'm Protestant. Going. I'm. You know what? He's Lutheran all the way. By the way, Drake is Jewish. <laughs> is oh, he that's really? right. He is. Is he really? Someone who's not
1: familiar with uh, also parental a... guilt. Wait, he also didn't start at the bottom. Isn't?
2: Oh no, no. It was started so at the.
0: He started at the oh, yeah. High. <laughs>
2: yeah. He started at the top.
0: Prostitution was no more prevalent south of the Mason-Dixon line than it was in the north. It was more accepted in the South. Sociologists attribute this attitude to the heritage of slavery. The tradition began in 1844. The brothel would become the chicken ranch, operated out of the lobby of a hotel near the overabundance of saloons in town, started by a woman known as Mrs. Swine, named after her appearance, described as an unsightly woman with a physical and physiological resemblance to a pig. Short arms protruded from her short squat body, wide nostrils with a nose that tilted upward, and black eyes. The description is directly from the book, The True Story of the Best Whorehouse in Texas, The Chicken Ranch, written by Jan Hudson. Her personal habits often wore filthy woolen dress with long sleeves and noted gravy stains. And since long sleeves of wool wasn't necessarily compatible with Texas weather, it was noted that she often smelled pungent odor and ripe black hats. And during the winter would strut wearing moth eaten fur coats.
1: Wow. And this is the founder.
0: This
2: is the founder. So she was the madam.
0: She was the head, the first madam to start. Mrs. Swine. Mrs. Swine. Large diamond rings buried between her fat stubby (laughs) fingers. Also another direct quote from the book. I tried to find pictures of Mrs. Swine, but unable to locate any. Mrs. Wine moved to LaGrange from New Orleans and brought with her three young women. 19th century prostitutes were usually disabled, handicapped, deformed, tubercular, or riddled with syphilis. These madams were considered doing humanitarian services by harboring the homeless. The odds were these women, sometimes their parents would turn them over to the madam because they didn't wanna take care of them or they simply couldn't. The odds were against these women It was either they live incarcerated in a disease-ridden institution or have some sort of life working at a brothel.
1: Were these women there by choice? These disabled or homeless women?
0: I don't think they had a choice. I think they just had no other way to live. Either their family gave them to this madam or they'd have to go into a home and they, either way. These handicapped women were exploited by their madams in exchange for a bed. A pioneer woman's life expectancy was about 35 years, but a prostitute's was about 25. Typically, they die from complications of a pregnancy, childbirth, disease, primitive abortions, or sometimes murder. Mrs. Swine and her girls lived a rather dull life. Leisure hours were spent in the hotel lobby. Mrs. Swine would do her needlework and make financial arrangements if someone was interested. And on Sundays, she would rent an open carriage and dress the ladies up and ride them through the streets. The good ladies of the town would preach indignant sermons of morality to their children while the good men checked out the ladies. And during the Civil War, Mrs. Swine was thought to be a Yankee sympathizer and accused of being a traitor. These accusations destroyed any camaraderie and rapport between the madam and her customers, so she left Lagrange abruptly during the war, probably because of financial and political difficulties and the fact that she was worried about going to Andersonville Prison. In 1905, a 25 year old entrepreneur named Faye Stewart moved to LaGrange from Waco, Texas. She was a professional woman coming from humble beginnings at 14. She supported herself as a hired girl for local families room and board were free. And sometimes she got paid two or $3 a week. She was a dreamer, but also realistic enough to know that her status would never attract a wealthy young bachelor. She recognized her own inadequacies. she had no education or marketable skills and a few months before her 18th birthday faye started working at waco's finest brothel she was prettier healthier and smarter and more refined than her co-workers and she was also a virgin which was a rare commodity the madam exploited it to its fullest and sold her deflowering at least five times
1: it feels like false advertising after the first but (laughs)
0: Look, if if I could still market my virginity, I probably would. (laughs) But here we have this girl who's like, okay, I know I'm not marketable because I don't have an education. I'm not going to get really a good quality eligible bachelor. So let me just go ahead and do this job because at least I'm good looking and I'm healthy and I'm still a virgin. So she was able to market herself.
1: I feel like back then, being super educated at 18 years old for a woman wasn't really a requirement.
0: Well, I mean, I feel like there was, there's a certain status, like, you know, there were the social circles and how people would.
1: Yeah, because women weren't really required to work, so it's what they need to be super educated for.
0: Faye reinvented herself. She changed her hairstyle, her habits, the way she dressed, and her name to Jesse Williams. Within a few years, Miss Jessie owned her own home in Waco, a small house with three girls, but it was her house. Family pressures, foiled love affairs, and threats from competitors. Miss Jessie chose to leave. Miss Jessie had been a master of a small-town diplomacy. The first order of business was to create an alliance with law enforcement officers. So she sought a business relationship with August Lowson, who was the sheriff of Fayette County, and his younger brother Will. Who was the chief deputy as well as the court-martial for lagrange they were widely respected law officers will was an outstanding investigator with a great reputation for his detective work and august was celebrated for his victories over the infamous kkk which had regrouped and gathered strength during the beginning years of the 20th century texas sheriffs opposed the kkk but august was the only sheriff to make serious and victorious efforts I tried to find more information about this, but I'm guessing LaGrange didn't have great historians because I couldn't find any. So now we have this woman who is being shunned by her family, decided to say, fuck y'all, open her own house, made negotiations with law enforcement, like, hey, I'm going to do this. How would I help? Not just any law
2: enforcement, law enforcement that helped stop the KKK.
0: Right. So she just knew, like, yeah. okay, let's Talk work together.
2: Progressive they were, they were for pretty, the time, pretty right? high up too, this guy <laughs> and his brother.
0: Miss <laughs> Jessie and the Lowson brothers managed to coexist and come to an agreement that was beneficial and profitable for all parties. She caused no trouble or embarrassment with the law and the law ignored her existence. By 1915, brothels, pimps, and bootleggers were doing open business half a block from the county jail and sometimes even on the courthouse steps with improved transportation in the city of LaGrange, was gaining a savory reputation, ashamed and embarrassed clergy, and the daughters of the Confederacy started a cleanup crusade. Pimps, prostitutes, and bootleggers were no longer welcomed. If they did not leave voluntarily, they were jailed. If they did not leave, then they were threatened and coerced. And if they still didn't leave, well, they just had an accidental death of a drowning or a fire. Miss Jessie was given a warning of the changing progressing tides long before things actually got underway. So she prepared for her departure by taking the money she had from the sale of her Waco home and bought a two-room house sitting on 11 acres outside the city limits. So this arrangement with the sheriff's been working out for her because they're like, hey, this is happening.
1: Yeah, she got, she got to get away.
0: So Miss Jessie had three girls, two sisters, and she advertised the sisters. They made young men feel sophisticated and old men feeling like perverted rogues. The men loved it. But then one sister fell in love with her customer. He was an older man who was charming, educated, and wealthy. And the two married and lived happily ever after in a stately mansion in San Antonio until his death 30 years later. And here we have the original plot line for Pretty Woman. I was
2: just gonna say that. Yeah. That's. I was like, that sounds familiar.
0: Pretty Woman, yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, but that that wasn't a sister story. Right, but... They edited that for Hollywood.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> When the farm boys went to war in 1917, Miss Jessie and the girls would mail them cookies. The local paper knit socks and would send them love notes signed, love and XXX.
2: Ooh. Those are, those are Well, those kisses, are kisses, right?
0: right. I, I mean... <laughs>
2: well, there's... X X X's X X X X's.
1: Well, when you sign a letter, usually X O X O is supposed to be a kiss, right? Kiss,
0: kiss,
2: kiss, kiss. Do you think that's how
0: Is X O X O hugs and kisses?
1: That's
2: hugs and kisses. The circle
0: what? is the hug, right? No, no.
2: I thought the X O is
0: isn't your lips the, going. It...
2: Yeah. So the X. No. Well, no. Oh, I thought I was. I thought the circles that... are hugs. No, man. No, man. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing's kisses. No, 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 no. You're incorrect. It is hugs and kisses.
1: Yeah, because you googled xoxo hugs and kisses. That's the confirmation <laughs> bias. Oh God, but then there's also
2: information. Up. There's a song called X's and O's, Hugs and Kisses. Okay, well, according to HugKiss.com, are we, are we going to the same places? This is <laughs> fantastic. Um, it's uh, wait, according to Brides.com, which is taking this information from Dictionary.com. The X represents a kiss, while the O represents a hug. I stand corrected. Uh, the this is most likely because the X is a stylized way of showing two mouths kissing. Does this mean a hug? And 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 the O looks like two pairs of arms connecting with a hug. Oh, get the that ain't right. That is that sounds like bullshit. <laughs> I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. If anything, the X looks like two people hugging, and the O looks like a kiss. Yeah, that's... Uh, it's whatever you say, Connor. I don't trust the internet anymore. No, I'm trust sure theater. you're right.
0: All right. Sheriff Lawson was interested in activities of serious criminals. He understood that professional criminals were not in a position to make permanent ties and that they were likely to buy female companionship, which they thought was emasculating to the ego, so in order to prove themselves as men, they would brag about their achievements in order to impress the ladies. Whether it was a banker, a priest or a criminal, they were talking.
1: Were priests uh, hooking up with these
2: prostitutes?
0: Apparently so. I mean, all they had to do was go ahead and confess and they'd be fine. Yeah, but they are the priest. I know, well, maybe there were two. Like, all right. You know,
2: like therapists need therapists. Priests need priests. <laughs> you could do that? All okay, right. I didn't know.
0: And Will Lowson listened every day. At the end of the day, Sheriff Loson would stop by and the brothers would speak to Miss Jessie and her girls. They'd accumulate the gossip and the rumors, and the girls contributed more aid to the sheriff than the Texas Rangers. How cool is that? Right. They had a total. Okay, you guys run, but whatever, oper- whatever information you get, just let us know. And that's why they were getting the good reputation because they just had this whole network.
1: We call that a symbiotic relationship.
0: Because the sheriff earned a reputation of being an excellent detective, and the brothel was awarded a bona fide seal and signed official whorehouse operator's license.
2: So does that mean that it, well, I mean, I guess it was legal because the people voted for it, but does that make it legal in the state of Texas with that, with that, uh, I guess not that whorehouse operator's license?
0: Maybe it's just a, a fancy piece of paper.
2: Yeah. Maybe it's like, uh,
1: basically that town LaGrange was a, uh, like a sanctuary yeah. city where
0: kind of like perump and
2: things can happen in, in Vegas. Yeah. Outside of Clark County, anywhere is that is that what it is in Vegas? It's just not um, in Clark County. Yeah,
0: prostitution is legal in any county of under seven hundred thousand population.
1: Oh, which is every county except Clark.
0: Uh, no, there's like either nine or eleven. I don't remember off the top of my head. So Miss Jessie had rules for her house. What do you think those rules were, guys?
2: Um, no anal, and um. <laughs> what what uh, rules in a brothel? Um, you know, uh, I'm I'm hoping some of them were safety related, like uh, you can't beat up our girls.
1: Where are they rules for the customers? I thought they were rules for our, the girls. It,
2: yeah, what kind of rules are we talking about here? Uh, you chuck your gun at the door for 1800s. That's pretty good, especially in Texas. Yeah, take your spurs off.
0: All right, here we go. So, erotic sex was an abomination in Miss jesse's eyes. So only the basic missionary p- position. Anything other that was conv- considered a perversion and thrown out of the
2: house. So definitely no anal.
0: So no anal, no doggy. <laughs> well,
2: what if you did anal in the missionary position? I'm gonna, I'm gonna let that one go.
0: <laughs> I mean, I've heard it can be done. I'm
2: talking about loopholes here. There, there, there are loopholes. The poop hole <laughs> loophole. The, the poophole loophole. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I can't take credit for it. That's a song I don't by Garfunkel care. and Oats. Still,
0: the timing was amazing. Garfunkel and Oats? Oh, I like, like that. Like Art Garfunkel yeah. from Simon and Garfunkel? No, 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 no. no it's the, like two oh. groups. Just
1: there's, there's two, there's two girls, and they formed a band called Garfunkel and oats Oh, yeah. I didn't
0: know that. Okay. And they're hilarious. They're they're like comedy singers. Oh, that
2: sounds amazing.
0: I like, I like, I like, I like, 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 really like you <laughs> is yeah. one of their songs.
1: Yeah, the Poop Hole Loopholes about, uh... A way that you can have sex in a way that Jesus doesn't know about. Hey.
0: That was the Jessica Simpson theory.
2: That is the weirdest thing. When we were in high
1: school, I knew a girl. I mean, I didn't know, know her, but I knew that she swore
2: by anal because she was keeping her virginity. Like, I, again, like, what's, what's the. I just don't get the thought process there. <laughs> again, I mean, you know. Well, you can't just be you... given. Yeah. You know. <laughs> okay, so just missionary.
0: So only missionary. There were no locks on the doors and Miss Jessie would pace the hallways listening to customers who would add on more pleasures without speaking about it to her first. Oh. If she was suspicious, she would plow through the door with a rage of contemptuous anger swinging a large iron rod. So the idea
1: is that it's kind of like Menchie's where you say what you want up front, you pay for it, and then you get to enjoy it.
0: Menchie's the yogurt place? I think. Yeah. Wait, that's how you pay at Menchie's?
1: Well, you pay that, for it before you eat it. If you want sprinkles, well, <laughs> you want nuts, you want gummy th- bears.
0: You give them a cup, or they you go up there, you pick your cup, you get it, and they charge you by weight.
2: That, is that how it works? I've never been to Manchis. first of all.
1: So,
0: I believe that's how it works. Okay, you're right.
1: You pay by weight, but the idea...
0: Unless you're going to COVID Menchie's where they had to do it for you,
1: yeah, I was just trying to think
2: of something in which oh. you point. Okay, it's like a, I, it's like Chipotle then.
0: Yes, or Subway.
2: But I still don't think that that's accurate because it would be more like you walk into Subway and they hand you the one sandwich because I don't think you can do <laughs> anything else but missionary, right? So, <laughs>
0: right.
2: <laughs> right. Like so basically, like, all you're getting is a tuna is your sandwich, sandwich okay, you're and right. you walk out because I mean, so she'd she'd go down the hallways. And if she could hear, hear like somebody going, give me a blowjob, she'd come in there and start swinging an iron rod
0: around. Yeah, that's,
1: that's, wait, wow. that's this not is,
2: included with the missionary package?
1: No, this is the it's worst little missionary.
0: whorehouse in
2: Texas. It really is.
0: <laughs> oh, Miss Jessie was in charge. Wow.
2: That sounds ridiculous, by the way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what, her running into her, her room? Her rules.
2: Her rules are crazy. Only
0: missionary? Well,
2: yeah. It's a brothel. Aren't you supposed to go there to...
1: Like, you know, live your sexual (laughs) fantasies. (laughs) These girls were disabled and so maybe- I forgot about the disabled They were
0: exploited (laughs) disabled girls (laughs) for this
2: time. I forgot that they were disabled. Oh my gosh. So in
0: 1929, when the stock market crashed, it took a toll on Miss Jessie's cat house like it did on Wall Street. Fewer customers would come in. After fares were reduced to fit supply and demand, the prostitution business started booming again. During the Great Depression, women started prostituting to help support their family. Men were out of work and struggling to find work, so the women stepped up. Husbands were completely fine with other men sleeping with their wives. In fact, 50% of street vendors' wives were reported to moonlight as prostitutes. In some instances, the wives happily worked as prostitutes since it was a way for her to earn an income. In other instances, the husbands were acting as pimps using the wife as property, lending her out as he pleased. So in 1932, a regular day at Miss Jessie's was down to $1.50, which was reasonable, but few people had cash. Doctors, dentists, lawyers, preachers, all equally short of cash. Farmers paid the bills with butters, eggs, vegetables, and meat for trade. Miss Jessie had a great business mind and instinct. She converted her business to poultry standard one chicken per screw and this is how the chicken ranch got its infamous nickname so so while
1: the country was on the gold standard and our money was backed by gold and fort Knox she was on the chicken standard but how was she able to to spend that currency then
0: she was feeding the house so she was able to keep Mm. money she was able to keep her prices low because she was able to feed the girls
2: well you know and and, and, you know it's probably a system of barter too you know if she had an abundance of chickens she could probably use that to pay off some of her bills as well you know -hmm. so here's a chicken you know
0: she was reselling them right and so she was able to generate money for people who needed for people who needed food she was able to sell the chickens that other people were giving her for services able to feed her house so this was how she was creating her business
2: chickens produce eggs
0: that's true. Female they chickens
2: do. produce eggs and. Uh, Wait, the male
1: chickens don't produce eggs? And, and you only eat. <laughs> don't they fe- fertilize <laughs> them? They do. No. You only eat female chickens too. You don't eat roosters. Roosters have very low value. Wait, did you just say that
2: roosters don't fertilize the Um, eggs? Chickens don't need uh, to be fertilized to lay an egg. No, no. But they I mean, lay they their need to be fertilized anyway. to make a non- another chicken. Sure. <laughs> yeah, But yeah, but, but they lay eggs.
0: So what what is the purpose of a cock then? Thinking
2: well, well, well if, if you she, want she, if you want more chickens, well, but. She, also I, she
1: wouldn't accept it. I'm sure you'd get cock blocked at the door.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no cocks here.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so by World War II, women had changed. They had the right to vote. Flappers started to rebel against society standards with short hair and plunging necklines. Women had confidence. They were more self-assured, poised, and determined. Prostitution was no longer a refuge for women that society labeled as freaks or outcasts who had no other option. Self-reliant young women entered the profession free of guilt with no fear of being ostracized. During summer breaks attending University of Texas, women would work at the chicken ranch to help pay tuition. When school resumed, they returned to Austin living in lavish apartments, driving new cars, and wore the latest fashions. And by this time, Miss Jessie was in her mid 60s and was confined to a wheelchair because of crippling arthritis. She still ruled the house with an iron rod.
1: Crazy lady. How <laughs> much was tuition at the time that you can pay for it a buck 50 at a time? I don't know. Yeah.
0: At this point, a young prostitute had come to work for Miss Jessie, named Edna Milton. She was an integral part of community. She contributed to churches, civic organizations, she had a reputation for being an easy mark for any type of charity seeking donations. She encouraged her girls to shop locally and made sure she purchased house groceries and commodities from local merchants on a rotating basis.
1: So did she take over for Miss Jessie as the house madam?
0: She started doing what Miss Jessie couldn't. So she was kind of working her way up in the ranks. Miss Jessie was still the madam with. The iron rod going up and down the hallways in just a wheelchair now, but she was able to do the business side of it for Miss Jessie and learning the business. In 1946, there was a new sheriff in town, Jim Flournoy. He made improvements, adding a telephone between his office and the brothel. He would call at 10 p.m. to collect the gossip, and occasionally Miss Jesse would call for an, an obnoxious patron to be removed.
1: That's like the bat phone, by the way. <laughs>
0: That is like, the, like that it. phone. Yeah. Like
1: all he has to do is pick up the phone and it rings
2: on And her then end. Miss
0: Jesse's on the other end. Yeah. That, that is.
2: This guy's trying to do doggy style.
0: <laughs> we don't allow that here. One day, two Roberts had the bright idea of robbing the chicken ranch. It was a cash establishment, and Miss Jesse was in a wheelchair, and the men would rather be robbed than be dead heroes. They lined up everybody against the wall, stripping each person of any value, including Miss Jessie. She was the one and only they didn't tie up because she had she was disfigured from arthritis.
1: But the other girls were disabled too.
0: No, they not by this time, right? Not by this time. Oh, by they, now they they they've got like forward. all the college yeah. yeah, spring yeah, yeah.
2: break girls. They started right. uh, getting a.
0: They started it. They started expressing their sexuality. They started. They were more liberal. They they saw the wealth.
2: And, and in this community, it was, it was not really, yeah, yeah, it was a shunned. They weren't made embraced. to be embarrassed or, or humiliated. It was actually kind of um, celebrated.
0: Right, there was no shame with it. So they searched for more goods, which Mitch Jesse led them to, making them to dig deep in a closet. While the robbers were preoccupied, Miss Jesse was able to make a call to the sheriffs informing them they were being robbed. The sheriff arrived and caught the two robbers in the act. So don't underestimate a woman in a wheelchair, huh?
2: Uh, especially carrying an iron rod and right. Yeah, I wonder what they were
1: digging for in that closet.
0: She was just kind of baiting them. Oh, R there's telly. more. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that
0: That's is good. the most ridiculous song, and there's like what seventeen chapters. Uh,
2: it is. It is. Uh, That's good. It's... <laughs>
0: In 1961, Miss Jessie had died at the age of 80. Edna Milton, who had learned the day-to-day routine of operating the brothel and being the house manager, took over. Edna was born to a dirt-poor family in Oklahoma. She got pregnant at 16 and her parents kicked her out. She moved to Oklahoma City and tragically her baby died. She bought a home and got married at 23 and she moved to the chicken ranch. She had a sharp wit, cunning sense of humor, auburn hair, slim figure, she was a shrewd businesswoman, but romantic and sentimental. She spent her free time reading and writing poetry. I almost was going to say, maybe I'm her reincarnation. I was just
2: going to say.
0: <laughs> what are we Whit? describing here? Sharp wit, cunning sense of humor, auburn hair. But then we lose it at sentimental and romantic. <laughs>
2: you are our Edna Milton.
1: <laughs> I am. <laughs> Amazing that she was able to uh, buy a home at 23. Right. Yeah.
0: So when Miss Jessie died at the age of eighty, Edna reached out to Miss Jessie's heirs and bought the chicken ranch for thirty thousand dollars. She put fifteen hundred down, two hundred dollars a month at six percent interest, which was far more than the market value of eight thousand.
1: Wow. She must have known that it was going to make her a fortune. I hope it did.
0: Right. I mean, it did. I mean, that's an honorable thing to do. Like hey, this was her business, I'm going to take it over. Let me pay you, what was it, if it was valued at 8000
2: Yeah, it's almost four times the market value. Kind of forward thinking, right? Like, I know that this is going to produce me money. I'll give you an offer you can't refuse. Yeah. Well, you know, she just would have grabbed uh, Miss Jessie's iron rod and started beating people up for, for the property. She probably <laughs> right? would have did, did a lot She probably would have. <laughs>
0: So Edna was 32 and she got into business for herself. Business was doing well and Edna had at any time between 12 and 16 girls. Aligned with the town sheriff, Jim Flournoy, no girl ever worked there without his approval. He knew who the customers were and even had a few barred. If the house was being visited by any dignitaries, politicians, or celebrities, they made appointments through him.
1: Through the sheriff.
0: Right. Right. New girls were routinely mugged before they were accepted. They were fingerprinted and had criminal background checks performed. If they had a record, they were not allowed to stay. And after beginning work, they were required to see a doctor in town for a smear health cards kept in the drawer in the check room. Blood must be drawn every 90 days, and they must see a doctor.
2: Wait a minute. Okay, so the law enforcement, you know, Mr. Flournoy, the -hmm. sheriff at the time, wasn't just allowing this to go on. He had had a pretty heavy hand in it. Now he's involved. If he's screening the girls. So they uh, call it mugged, but it was just kind of getting... Getting your mug shots.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting fingerprinted and everything. Keeping them on record. I don't don't know. To be honest, when they're doing a criminal background check, Mm -hmm. back then a background check would be like calling another agency and seeing if they had a paper on them. Because
2: you couldn't possibly have paper records of everyone else. Right. And especially if they came from small communities. you know. So... You know also health checks as well. I mean, I think that's something that that people probably don't think a lot about when you look at when you watch movies and they have like old-timey brothels. You probably don't think they're getting checked for STDs, but this is probably very forward-thinking of Mr. Very, Flournoy. Very right? forward-thinking,
0: yeah. Edna would not violate the MAN Act and hire a girl coming from, from outside of Texas or hire any girl that had a pimp. Do we re- remember the MAN Act?
1: Yeah, I remember the Mann Act. That's the one that made it a felony to engage in interstate or foreign commerce with any woman or girl for the purpose of prostitution, debauchery, or any other immoral purpose, or whatever they deemed immoral.
0: Right, so when we were talking about like, well, how are they doing background checks? Well, these girls weren't from outside of Texas, so I guess it wouldn't be that hard to reach out to others and say, hey, because they're all from Texas.
2: Texas sure, is pretty maybe, big, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, Texas is pretty big, but I mean, you'd think that if you hear about this place where you could go and work and be in a safer environment and make money and be successful. And know, be supported. And be safe, um, you'd probably come from all over, right?
0: Yeah, well, maybe they'd have to prove they were from Texas by having like a Texas ID or some paperwork. But sex was changing, guys. Missionary was getting to be a bore, so Edna added. Finally, right? Yeah. Think so. after, after,
2: fine. How uh, long was this between? After
1: ten thousand years of having no other options. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Edna added oral sex and group sex to the menu. Woohoo! And a Thursday night special, guys. What do you think a Thursday night special was?
2: Um. <laughs> I, I would assume a uh, blowjob and an orgy. Gosh, I don't even have anything for that. Well, no, that's that's not a Thursday <laughs> night special. A Thursday night special. It's like an
0: afternoon delight. Yeah. The Thursday night special was $8 for a beer and 15 minutes of conventional sex. What? What's conventional Wait sex? Wait a minute.
1: That ain't <laughs> a good beer. Wait it, a minute. It used to be a buck fifty. Yeah,
2: I, or, or a chicken for <laughs> crying out loud. Yeah. <laughs> Now I'm just getting a beer and fifteen yep. minutes of conventional sex. Well, no, that's I mean like, the that's prices like, went that's up. Like three times. So no, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> Listen, Edna took over the business and business was booming. So she had it something
2: right. But sure. she had a thirty
1: thousand so, dollar loan to pay off. Well
2: here's the here's the question though, is like what was the do we know what the time difference between like that, that Miss Jessie period? Of $1. fifty and the poultry. 1961. And this then, is 1961. Oh, that's like 50 later. 19- yeah. Okay. Poultry was during the Depression. So yeah. we're talking about there's some serious inflation here. So $8 <laughs> for a beer and 15 minutes of sex actually is probably a pretty good deal for Thursday. They're I probably mean, what jam-packed. are we paying for
0: beers now? Back
2: then. Uh, well, if you include sex with that, I pay an awful lot for beers. <laughs> <laughs> Back then, minimum wage was like
1: a buck twenty-five an hour. So this is probably close to like five or six hours. It's like your whole
2: day wage to go pay for $8, 15 minutes. $8 was for the 15 minutes. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm sure buying a beer in 1961 was a dollar or less, right? Yeah, Yo, yeah. You know, so you're pretty much just paying for the sex and getting a free beer out of it. <laughs> On Thursdays. Thursday came special. for the
0: and I got a beer.
2: Yeah. <laughs> what if you don't drink? <laughs> it takes me 14 <laughs> minutes to drink a beer.
0: <laughs>
2: Plenty of time, Connor. <laughs>
0: right? It only takes a minute. <laughs> In all these years, LaGrange never had a rape or school pregnancy. She was LaGrange's own philanthropist. She always paid her taxes... She contributed $10,000 to a new hospital and $1,000 to a community swimming pool and even donated new equipment to the town's Little Link team, which in fact they called the LaGrange Chicks.
2: Nice. A school pregnancy.
1: Yeah, I I think it's just considering that all the the, the girls that were Ah. on break from uh, the university came in. Gotcha. But uh, we didn't mention if she enforced any kind of condoms or anything like that. So I wonder what kind of birth control they
2: were using. I I, I keep thinking it's back in the 18-something or 1920s, you know. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's crazy that they even thought of that. But yeah, it's the 60s.
0: When Hurricane Carla hit Texas, refugees from the storm came into LaGrange from around Texas. Shelter was provided at the fairgrounds, city hall, courthouse, and the American Legion Hall. Johnny, Luke Edna's husband, owned a secondhand furniture store and donated secondhand furniture to make the guests more comfortable. How amazing is this? She's just... Active in the community, then people are going to Lagrange to seek like to seek. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sex. <laughs> no refuge. They were oh, seeking bro. refuge. People were going to Lagrange to seek refuge, and so she she helped donate a bunch of furniture from her husband's furniture shop. Hey. Like,
1: all right. So I looked up on Wikipedia some information about Edna Milton and the Chicken Ranch, and it looks like in the 1950s the uh, average cost of uh, doing business there was $15 for 15 minutes and that was just for the conventional sex package so with that in
2: mind $8 that, for the Thursday deal the Thursday deal was was quite the deal it really was you're getting point. over half off yeah and a free beer and the beer <laughs> that's great i bet they were crowded as fuck on thursdays yeah right
0: how many of, <laughs> does did, where you were looking did it even say like about how many how many people think uh, that were being serviced? Yeah, like? so
1: the girls would each have between five and twenty customers per day, and around their peak in the nineteen sixties, uh, they had they were making like five hundred thousand a year at
2: this chicken range. Are so, you doing the math that I was? I, I want to do is uh-huh. like at fifteen minutes a session.
0: How many fifteen minute intervals are there? And like, because what mean, an eight hours? Should maybe, we say eight you, hour shift?
2: You got to wash up.
1: Right. Well, yeah. So if you're seeing between five and 20, so tw- 20 would mean basically that um, you're, you're doing them about a half hour apart. And you're t- so you're seeing someone for 15 minutes, taking a 15 minute break and jumping minute. back on, working 10 hour days.
0: So if you were working an eight hour shift and you were just going 15, 15, 15, without like taking a break or cleaning up or anything, you, you 32. get 32 people yeah. in an eight hour shift. Right. So let's just give Grace. And but
2: and like, most women were seeing about 20. Yeah, okay. that's so. That would be like a full day, yeah, on your back, yep, in missionary.
0: And there's like twelve. <laughs> now they upped it. It, you. It was no, either group or oral. They,
2: they added group and then they added oral. But that th- didn't mean that they changed the <gasps> position standard. See, I, right? Oh
0: my God, you're absolutely right. I would totally be the one saying, okay, so let's do it like that. And yeah, then the yeah. ghost of the ghost of um. <laughs>
2: <laughs> of Jesse Williams yes. would come back. The ghost and... of
0: Jesse Williams would be like with her iron rod. No, you yeah. can't do that.
2: Like you could have group sex. You were pervert. Be on your back. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you you can't both, can both be on your back. <laughs> Everybody's on their back. I would Connor. just imagine that like, all
0: the women would lay in a <laughs> row.
2: Like cockroach sex. Just
0: being in the same room is group sex at this point. Yes. <laughs> All right, so let's see. They had, what, 12 to 16, and they did about 20, 15 to 20. So you multiply, do that math, and uh, that's a lot of money. So it was a very successful business, and she gave back and supported her community. Good on her, Edna. Good on you.
1: So in the 1960s, the Chicken Ranch was making like $500,000 a year. So this is an incredible
2: business that seems like it should still be going strong today. Well, and you know when there's a successful business run by a woman somebody's got to come in and and change that right i'm sure many have tried is this where it becomes Is in the 70s
1: this is where someone comes in and messes the whole damn thing up Mm. and it's marvin
0: yeah there's always that one motherfucker
2: always got to take you know they see a successful woman and they got to come in and fuck it all up
0: right (sighs) smash the patriarchy So, that one motherfucker was Marvin Zindler, who began an investigation of the chicken ranch in July of 1973. He received a copy of an intelligence report compiled by the Department of Public Safety, stating that the chicken ranch was a grossing $3 million a year, and the funds were going to Mexican bank accounts that belonged to corrupt state and local officials. Wow,
1: so by so, 1973, they're making $3 million a year. And just like we discussed with uh, marijuana dispensaries in California, you can't have a bank account because it's
2: federally illegal. Or I guess in this case, in the state of Texas, it was illegal still, right? Is that that factual information as far as them making that much money and using... I don't know. You think someone just gave him bad intelligence to make him investigate? I think Mr. Zindler, his job was to get the place shut down.
1: But he wasn't an FBI investigator he was like a
0: he wanted the story oh journalist. Shit. he's a television he reporter yeah he's a television why it's did kind I just of assume
2: like he was uh, like an FBI agent <laughs> trying to break down did the... you
0: see the picture of, of him earlier I, when you... he had it up <laughs> yeah that's right he just wanted the story kind of like uh... when Geraldo Rivera wanted to unlock Al Capone's vault
2: wow well I take it all I take that? it all back
0: do you remember when yeah when Geraldo, of course and, I remember and then they remember opened that. it up and it was nothing and
2: there was nothing it was, it was the biggest television like flop faux pas of all time, they right. say. But I still like when he got hit in the nose with the chair. Oh my I God, know. I remember that. So Marvin Zindler looks like a caricature of himself. Oh my God. Doesn't he? He looks like Andy Warhol and Roger Stone mixed together.
0: That is exactly <laughs> what a 70s news reporter would look like in a porn.
2: Yeah, no, he looks like a porn producer from the 70s.
0: Zindler said he had no quarrels with the chicken ranch... He just had issues with the political corruption and organized crime. Zindler was vague about his description of organized crime, though. That's
2: what I was going to ask you after you said that. It was, it was what organized crime? Well, they were, it was illegal well, yeah. in the state of Texas,
1: and they were working with the police department to uh, yeah, get this whole thing I going.
2: I guess that's true. Oh, um,
0: I didn't even think of that. That's interesting.
2: You know, they weren't running drugs or weapons or anything it's just as bad it's illegal and
1: sheriffs are in on it
0: marvin and fellow newsman larry connors went undercover to investigate spending long hours in tick-infested woods being bit by mosquitoes outside the ranch counting cars and patrons and Larry courageously volunteering to go inside to confirm that there was horn going on in there.
1: Well, he took one for the team.
2: What, what a journalist! You know what I found in there, fellas? Right?
0: He, he goes undercover to yeah. prove something everybody already knows.
2: <laughs> and it took him three hours to find that out. By the way, right? <laughs> he knew within fifteen minutes.
0: <laughs> right, right. It took him three months to realize it was a whorehouse, though everybody already knew what it was.
2: I'm still not sure. I'm going back inside to take a look.
0: (laughs) Right? I really like that Jessica girl. (laughs) I need to talk to her more. (laughs) After a week of nightly exposés, he scheduled an interview with Governor Dolph Briscoe and Attorney General John Hill, and also Department of Public Safety's Chief Colonel Wilson Spear. Even though there was no proof of organized crime and political connections, the three men emerged from the meeting with righteous indignations and promised to get to the bottom of things. (laughs) I'm still thinking there's whoring going on in there, and we're going to get to the bottom of things. (laughs) (laughs) Zindler had no reason to dig up all this muck. Houston had 100 times more prostitutes than Lafayette County, And he wasn't looking for salvation with good deeds. He was looking for ratings at the expense of the chicken ranch. While reporting on the courthouse lawn, Sheriff Flournoy caught wind of Zindler's arrival and went to ask him to leave. Very soon, a heated discussion between the two took place, ending up with Sheriff Flournoy shoving Zindler to the ground. Some say the sheriff actually struck Mr. Zindler, fracturing two ribs and pulling off his wig and stomping on it while the sheriff denied ever laying a hand on him. This resulted in Mr. Zindler taking legal action against the sheriff in a lawsuit of $3 million. Wow. Residents of the county rallied behind their beloved friend and sheriff and created the TJ Flannoy Defense Fund.
1: That's the uh, equivalent of a GoFundMe 50 years ago.
0: Right, yeah, for the sheriff. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, go figure. We would never do that, right?
0: Oh, no. When the settlement was reached, it was unclear how much exactly the sheriff was required to pay due to terms of the settlement, making the amount a secret. The sheriff assured it was much less than the $3 million that Zindler threatened. Governor Dolph Risco closed the establishment due to the excessive media coverage. So it was fucking closed because of the media coverage that his friend brought in. Ugh. On August 1st, 1973, Flournoy called Milton and told her that she no longer was allowed to operate. A handmaid signed on the building blamed Zindler for the closing. Flournoy then went to Austin to meet with the governor, armed with petitions opposing the closure and carrying 3,000 signatures. Governor Briscoe refused to meet with him. In 2005, Zindler did an interview. He said, I told a little fib when I said I got into the act because of the anonymous tip. The tip was actually a phone call from the office of the Texas Attorney General, John Hill. Hill asked the chief of his organized crime division, Tim James, to get me involved in closing the chicken ranch.
2: What did I say? He knew it. What it was did I say? Government he officials was, put him up to it. Yeah. Well, he probably didn't even know he was up to it. He was just gonna figure it out and then... Right, right, right. So he starts digging on the story and they're like, well... You you've been frequenting this place. Let's get you kind of on the payroll here. Let's get you uh, to get us some information.
0: <laughs> James called Zindler in hopes that the television personality could apply the right kind of pressure to get the ranch shut down, and it worked. In 2012, Edna Milton Chadwell, the last madam of the chicken ranch, passed away at the age of 84. She died to, due to complications from injuries she received in a car wreck the previous year. Flournoy. Died in his home following a long history of heart problems. He was 80. He served as the sheriff for 34 years until 1980. I think I found that off of his obituary.
1: Wow. So Edna Milton Chadwell, when did she get married?
0: Probably after the ranch closed.
2: And I'm assuming to Mr. Chadwell.
0: Oh.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, you got to wonder too. uh, A former customer. Yeah. Where Where do you meet people when you work? You know,
0: Another pretty woman story.
2: She seems like she was probably workaholic, but she probably. Like ran that place. Not like Jesse Williams, but still with an iron fist, I'm sure.
0: An iron fist, not an iron rod. Not an iron rod.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and on July 5th, 2007, it was announced that Zindler was diagnosed with an inoperable pancreatic cancer that also spread to his liver. In a news conference, Zindler said that he would continue to work Zindler stated that he planned to stay on the air as his illness was treated, even doing restaurant reports and greetings from the bedside. On July 5th, 2007, it was announced that Zindler was diagnosed with an inoperable pancreatic cancer that had also spread to his liver. In a news conference, Zindler said he would continue to work. He stated that he planned on staying on air as his illness was treated, even doing restaurant reports and greeting from his bedside. Zindler died on July 29th, 2007, two nights after what would be his final newscast.
1: Wow, that's literally three weeks after his diagnosis.
0: July 5th, July 29th.
1: Yeah. And really continue to work right up until the end. So yeah, pancreatic cancer gets you pretty quickly. I mean, people like Alex Trebek lived with it for a while.
0: Patrick Swayze.
1: Patrick Swayze, Steve Jobs.
0: I kind of feel like the plot twist was that the government was involved in shutting down the chicken ranch. Absolutely. I feel like I was like, what?
1: I wonder if he has spoken about that publicly since and said, you know, that he wishes well, no, that he wasn't dead. involved. Well, well no, he no, died actually. in two thousand seven. But <laughs> in the in the thirty five years since the chicken ranch closed down, if he had uh said something about I, I wish I hadn't taken that the follow that lead.
0: I wouldn't think he would. I think he got the ratings he wanted. I think yeah. he was baited but he also was benefited from this.
2: I agree. I agree. I mean, I I just saw a video of him, and <laughs> he's an interesting character that I'm sure is 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 probably into his his persona more than anybody else.
0: I'm also surprised that that was a wig.
2: I I, I was too actually. Yeah. I when you said that Flournoy ripped off his wig allegedly, yeah, I was shocked.
1: Well, we shocked. we were looking at pictures of
2: Zindler with white hair and it's like, do people have white wigs? And it was like, like a helmet. What? It was like it was a helmet <laughs> of white hair. So I'm like surprised that I was surprised that it was a yeah, wig. I'll, I'll <laughs> it was like, almost like I'll Colonel Sanders looking hair, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll
0: post this picture. Okay guys, okay. So we know that this was a movie before with Burt Reynolds and Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. So if you were gonna recast this movie, who would you have in the movie? Like we need to tell the story. Emma, Emma Stone, uh, do you have a crush on her right now?
2: Kind of, well, she, she would kind be my go-to well, for weird. any movie. But- we called her our Edna Edna Milton, right? Yeah. So I mean, are we are we going with whoever we want, or yeah? Actresses? This is this
0: is your movie, whoever you want.
2: Edna Milton, who do you cast? You said yeah, Emma Stone. She would be Emma Stone would be her. I feel like she has to be she has to be older. I'd go Julianne Moore. Juliana Moore. How do you say her name? You're right. gonna ask
0: me how to pronounce pronounce something? Say yeah. Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia.
2: <laughs> Perfect. Jeez. Nailed it. Uh, <laughs> okay, so Julianne, Julianne Moore. Moore. Okay. I'm going with an older redhead, right? So okay. Julianne Moore. Did we both choose redheads? Yeah, we did. But Edna Milton was a redhead.
0: Okay, but what about Jesse Williams?
2: Ooh. She was older, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm.
1: Betty White. <laughs> Not that old. Maybe Julia Stiles? I just read about her today, so she's kind of on my mind. Julia huh. Stiles? Okay, Wait, so I don't really remember who that is. So I think for me I'm gonna
0: go I'm gonna go a different route and for Flournoy, I think I'm gonna make Luke Bryan the sheriff.
1: Oh, Country music star
0: with a Q. I love him. And then I think I'm also going to add Little Nas as one of the workers just for fun because I love him.
2: Wait, where would he fit in? Did they have- we're
0: gonna create it. It's my story now.
2: <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Okay, you do you. This is
0: my version of Hollywood. So we're gonna have Luke Bryan okay. as the sheriff. Has
2: Luke Bryan been in anything as far no. as acting wise? No. Okay, so this is just your dream team. Yeah. Yeah, this is Anybody. my. We're gonna
0: Luke Bryan. Okay. We're going to have Little Nas. Hmm. I also want Lupita. How do I say your last name?
2: I'm looking up Luke Bryan right now, and he looks a lot like Will Wheaton to me. <gasps>
0: That was my first crush No wonder you like this guy so
2: much. Uh, Lady Gaga as uh, Jesse Wilson. Ooh. William. Jesse Williams? Williams, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. I could see her hitting people with an iron rod.
0: All right, I mean, I would watch these movies. So Hollywood, if you're listening, give it to us. Give us what we want. Uh, Dolly, no, we'll have Dolly Rapparton reprise her role as Edna and Lupita come in as Jesse. And we'll have little Nas in there and Luke Bryan's kind of a doofus, so we'll make him the sheriff, Dolly but then we'll make the, the brother, Woody Harrelson, or as the brother. Oh yeah. We did it, we I did like it, that. we did it.
2: I like that bringing back Dolly thing. Yes, oh, well, rest in peace,
0: Burt Reynolds.
2: Yeah. For this episode's
1: charity, we recommend making a contribution to the Sex Workers Outreach Project. They are a national social justice network dedicated to the fundamental human rights of people involved in the sex trade and their communities, focusing on ending violence and the stigma through education and advocacy. So you can check them out at swopusa.org.
2: And as always, send us a screenshot of your donation receipt and we'll match it. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts
0: we have an amazon wishlist so if you're interested in providing us with some topics go ahead and look at the amazon wishlist and just order it and send it and we'll give you a shout out if we use your episode this episode actually was a book sent from my friend shannon mccoy who lives in texas and is having a terrible time in pennsylvania right now
1: oh how cool that she recommended this topic and got the book for us she
0: did i keep planning a trip out there Um, You can also hit us up on Instagram, Madam's Hose and Gigolos. Hose is spelled H-E-A-U-X-S. And hit us up in our DMs. I read them. I reply. But I always get like this, you have a message icon. And then I look and it's gone. So I don't know. It might take me a little bit to find it, but I'll find it.
1: All right. And if you like this show, please help us out by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and sharing it with your friends. Thanks for listening.